Amen. You have your Bibles this morning open to Ephesians chapter 4. We're in our 12th lesson on a series that we've entitled Spiritual Warfare. Today we want to look at the problem within the lives of many, and that is they're constantly giving place to the devil within their life. And the thing is, many times people don't realize they're giving place to the devil. They're giving the devil opportunities to work in their life and to control them. And folks, we as believers in Jesus Christ, we must never give place to the devil. We must never give opportunity for the devil to destroy us or, you know, uh, come after us. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, you know, the Bible is clear, neither give place place to the devil now let's look at a couple of things prior to that because here in chapter 4 of Ephesians Paul has some advice to believers if we're going to become Christ-like in our walk with him in verses 17 through 19 when you look back there Paul instructs his readers there that if they're to become more Christ-like in their everyday life, they've got to pull away from the crowds. We've got too many people in too many churches that are, are they're, they're wanting to hang on to the crowd, they're wanting to be a part of the crowd, yet they're wanting to be Christ-like in their life. Paul says you can't do that. You can't be a part of the crowd and yet be Christ-like in your everyday walk. So in those verses, that's what he's talking about. You know, we must not go along with the crowds. We must be separate. We are a peculiar people, Paul says, and we have to be different than the rest. He says the crowds, the problem is that they're lost. They're not in touch with God. They've lost touch with God. And because that the crowds no longer are hearing from God. So when a child of God is hanging around with the crowds, listen, they are going to lose touch with God because the crowd has lost touch with God. And because they're no longer hearing from God, that is why you see so many who call themselves Christian, that have given in to sin of all types, sin of immorality and every other kind you can think of. Then in verses 20 through 24, he says that, that, that this is no life for a believer. As Christians, we know better, or we should know better, and we've been instructed by God on how to live. God has told his people how we ought to live. And because of our understanding for the word of God, we don't have the excuse, well, I'm just ignorant, I just didn't know, I didn't really know, I wasn't supposed to be involved in that, didn't really know. Look, we have the word of God, folks, and we, as his children, we know know what God expects of us you know sometimes for those with children and I don't want to talk about your kids I'm just going to talk about mine okay and if you say my kid is just like that then you know what you got a typical kid okay but how many times does our kid do something and we get on to them well I didn't know you ever had your child tell you that I didn't know when you know for sure they know because you done taught them that Okay, you done said you're not supposed to do this, you know. Uh, I, I believe uh, my wife would agree with me that we don't have, what do we got, nine kids in the house, I guess. Or if you want to call the grown ones kids, they're still under our house. You know, how many kids we got in the house that will mind us? Zero? <laughs> yeah, get her, Tim. Set her straight, Tim. We got one. We got one. But, you know, kids, they play dumb, don't they? Well, I didn't know. I didn't know. And you know what? 
Children of God do that same thing. Well, I just didn't know that was wrong. I didn't know that was a sin. Folks, what do you think this is for? It's the Word of God. It's instruction on how we are to live as His children. Look, he, he, he's saying that we, we, we've taken, a, a, once we're saved, an, an entirely new way of life. We've taken a God-fashioned life, a life that re, uh, is supposed to uh, reproduce God's character within us. And then as he gets to verse 25, he begins talking about lying and anger in verse 26. And he says, that's when he says, neither give place to the devil. Okay? That's when he says, neither give place to the devil. Another word of saying this is, don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. When we allow lies and we allow anger to control our life, Paul's saying you're giving the devil a foothold. You're giving him a place to plant his feet there in your life and begin to control your life. Say, Paul says, don't allow that to happen. But yet so many people within our churches, so many believers, so many who call themselves Christians have given the devil a foothold in their life because, you know, of the anger in their life, because of the sin in their life, because of the, you know, the, the, the hanging on to the crowds. And they've given the devil a foothold within their life. The fact is many believers are living defeated lives all because they have given place to the devil. They have given the devil that foothold in their life and, 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 and because, they, because they're wanting to hang on to things they ought to be willing to get rid of. Look, they're not disconnecting themselves from the old way of life. They're still allowing lies and angers to, allowing anger to control their life, not realizing by doing these things they are giving place to the devil and they're giving the devil an opportunity to take a foothold in their life. Listen, all you have to do is give the devil an opportunity and you know what he's going to do? He's going to take advantage of that opportunity. We can't do it. Look, if we're to understand what it what what it's like, um, or excuse me, if we're to understand why it seems like we're living defeated lives, maybe we need to take a look here at some ways that we give the devil places in our life. Let, let's take a look at some of these things. I believe many times we fail to realize that, that some of the things we are involved in, some of the places that we go, some of the people we hang around with are actually giving place to the devil, and that is what has given him a foothold within our life. Okay? You know, what, what are some of the types of the ways that we give the devil a, fo- a foothold in our life? Turn to 1 Peter 5, 8. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to look at a few scriptures this morning. How are some ways, or what are some ways that we give the devil place within our life? 1 Peter 5, 8. We do that by not being sober, and not being vigilant. Let's look what Paul had to say about that. 1 Peter 5, 8. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Now, why does he say you have to be sober, you have to be vigilant? Here's why. Because your adversary, the devil, okay, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, what does Paul mean here by being sober and being vigilant? First of all, sober means being alert. We've got to be alert that our enemy is out there. We've got to be alert that our adversary is out there trying to get that foothold in our life. 
And if we give him any opportunity whatsoever to get his foot in the door, folks, he's going to bust his way in. So Paul says, look, guys, first of all, be sober. Now, the actual translation here means sober-minded, okay? Sober-minded. Now, though this isn't speaking directly about being sober in the sense of alcohol, it is speaking to that indirectly in the sense that alcohol... Too much alcohol will cause one to not think with their right mind, okay? And, and, and it's, so, therefore, we have to be sober-minded uh, spiritually in order that we can stay alert to what the enemy is up to within our life. So we've got to be sober-minded. We've got to be in our right mind, folks. And, and, and if we're not, if we're not staying alert, if we're not knowing that Satan is out there to destroy us, if we're not knowing that we need to be on watch here about this, then he's going to get that foothold. Now, the second thing is, he says, be vigilant. Be vigilant. Vigilant means to be watchful. Watch for him. Know that he's out there. You see, if we're not being sober-minded, that is staying alert, then we can't be vigilant. That is keeping an eye, a watchful eye to what the enemy is doing, where he is, and how he may be attacking us. You've got to be aware he's out there. And so many people within our churches, they're not being sober-minded about his presence about them. They're not being watchful to see where, where might he be trying to attack me. We've got to be watchful, he says. Far too many believers are eaten up by Satan all because they become complacent and they fail to, uh, to be alert about his presence around them. When, 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 when we're not alert, folks, when we're not aware that he's lying in wait, that gives him an opportunity to take us out. And that is his goal, to take you out. Now, the next thing is, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 15, it's by failing to forgive others. When we fail to forgive others, we give Satan place in our life. We give Satan a foothold in our life. Remember, we said he's looking for an opportunity. And unforgiveness within our life is the opportunity he needs to get a foothold in your life and my life. Look at Matthew chapter 16, or chapter 6, verse 15. Matthew 6, 15. Now, Jesus speaking here about forgiveness. And he says, if you forgive not men their trespasses. In other words, if you're not a forgiving person to where you will forgive someone when they have wronged you. When you allow anger to control your, your, your life. When you allow anger to stop or uh, keep you from Forgiving others. Jesus says, when you refuse to forgive someone else, oh, look at this, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Wow. Now, Pastor, are, 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 are you trying to say if I'm holding a grudge against someone, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm refusing to forgive someone, that it doesn't do me no good to ask God to forgive me because he won't? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Well, I'm saying that, but I'm saying it because that's what the Bible is saying. We have to forgive others if we expect God to forgive us. And if we're refusing to forgive someone, we're in essence saying to God, don't forgive me. 
Now, how many of us would go to God and say, God, I know I've done wrong, but don't forgive me for that? In our right mind, we wouldn't, would we? That would be crazy, wouldn't it, Brenda? You're looking at me like, I, I done lost my... That would be... But you know what? That's exactly what we're doing when we refuse... That's what Jesus is saying. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you of yours. I've seen so many who are living defeated lives over this one thing, a refusal to forgive someone who has wronged them. I mean, it's like a cancer. When you do not forgive someone, it's like a cancer. It just begins, you know, slowly eating away at you and eating away at you until Satan has devoured you. And then as that roaring lion, he's over your dead spiritual body just roaring in victory. How many people within our churches, Satan has got his paws on your spiritual body and he's just roaring because he has destroyed you spiritually over unforgiveness within your life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to give Satan that, you know, opportunity to do that. Now, I'm not patting myself on the back or nothing, but if there's one thing that I have no problem with at all, and that's forgiving people. I, I just don't have a problem, you know. <laughs> I guess I consider the source of most of them. <laughs> Okay, I consider the sword. But I've learned a long time ago that if I am not willing to forgive someone who has wronged me, first of all, God's not going to forgive me. But second of all, you, you know what happens when you refuse to forgive someone and you're constantly dwelling on it and you're constantly eating on it and it's constantly eating away at you, uh, you know, uh, uh, like a cancer? That person's controlling your life. And I made a vow a long time ago, early in my pastorate, that nobody's going to control my life over something like that. God's going to control my life. And how do I allow him? By giving these things to him, turning them over. Unforgiveness gives Satan that opportunity to get a foothold. And what that does, it begins to build a, a, a bring bitterness into your life. And, folks, when bitterness takes over from anger, that's what anger will lead to, lead to if not taken care of. It will lead to bitterness, and bitterness is what will destroy you. You know, you become a bitter, bitter person. Look, anger, if held too long, it becomes bitterness. It becomes divisiveness. No longer, you know, the, the, the longer we remain in anger, the more opportunities we're given to the devil to sow this hatred and discontent within our life. That's why Paul told the church at uh, Ephesus, you know, to not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let it. In other words, you know, take care of it today. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, he said there. Because when we do, you know, that, 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 that gives the devil opportunities to begin to twist the situation. How many times have you been angry at someone and you failed to forgive them when you laid your head down at night that were just rolling through your head? All these thoughts was going through your head. You was getting more angry and more angry and more angry. <laughs> and you, you, here's what people do. As they lay there and they start rolling this through their head, they begin saying, well, you know what? I should have said this. I should have done this. I should have. I should have. You know, what, what is happening there? Satan is putting all these thoughts in your mind, okay? And he's causing you to become bitter, bitter, bitter. And when you do, you have given him that foothold within your life. 
Child of God, don't do that. Give it to God and walk away. Give it to God and walk away. Don't give him an opportunity. We must dispose of our anger, or our anger as quickly as possible so that we don't give place to the devil. Also, Jesus saying in this passage, as I just said, if I refuse to forgive another person, then I'm not allowing God to forgive me. Next thing here. Through involvement in the occult. Now, some people don't realize this. All right, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 18. We give place to the devil through our involvement in the occult. Now, you say, wait a minute, Pastor. I'm not involved in the occult. Uh, I think we're going to see here this morning that there's some children of God who are involved in some things they should not be involved in when it comes to occultic activity. And I think it's going to surprise you. Because there may be some of you here this morning who are involved in at least one of these things I want to go over here this morning. See, one area in which Satan has gained a stronghold over more and more people over the years, including believers, is in this area of the occult. Now, most who are involved in it don't even realize it's an occultic act because it's disguised with such names, with such names as fortune-telling, as mediums, as spiritists. See, that don't sound occultic, does it? Even fortune-telling, that doesn't sound occultic. But, folks, it is. Now, some would say, well, those names, they, there's nothing wrong with them. But for many, especially those who have not been taught the Bible, the Bible, they have become words that you don't even relate to Satan. But for those of us who know the Word of God, we realize those words apply to Satan. And I'm going to show you that. I remember... When the Ouija boards come out. How many remember when the Ouija boards come out? Tell your age, yeah. I remember when the Ouija boards come out, okay? And, 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 and you know, most people simply looked at them as a, another board game. I mean, it's just like Monopoly, okay? It's just a board. It's not Tim. Keep me straight, okay, son? Keep me straight. Uh, you know, it's just a board game, just like Monopoly. I mean, it's just something that you have fun with, and you're right, son, it's not. I'll get there in a moment. But here's the thing. They're far from that. The Ouija boards, are they still out there? Are they still popular? Oh, they are. Okay. Let him talk, Mom. At least somebody's going to give me an amen here. Okay. Look at here. This is just another way for one to practice the occult. And if you're involved with the Ouija board, listen to me, you're involved in occultic activity. Okay? No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's not just a fun game you're playing. You're giving the devil opportunity to get a foothold within your life. This is just another way, you know, that Satan does it. And the occult Listen, it's not going to bring you closer to God. Rather, it's going to draw you further away from God and closer to Satan. So what's the Bible have to say about this? Deuteronomy 18, verse 10 through 12. Let's take a look at this. There shall be found among, uh, there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. Now, they're talking there about child sacrifice. Now you say, well, that's not practice today, hogwash. 
Satanic worship involves children being sacrificed even today. Okay? He says you should not uh, make your son or your daughter pass through the fire or that useth divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or one who conjures up, uh, conjures up spells or a medium or a spiritualist or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Look, these things were being practiced by the pagan Canaanites, and that's why God was driving them out of the land. The Israelites were to consider it an abomination unworthy of the people of God. And folks, that is still true today. These things are unworthy for the child of God. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, these things listed here, you have no part, uh, uh, there should be no part of being a part of your life. And because we are people of God, we too should consider them an abomination. Let's take a look at these things that are forbidden practices for the believer, okay? In these passages here in Deuteronomy, we see a number of things that's forbidden for the believer. And even though many believers involve themselves in one or more of these practices, let's go through them. First of all, seeking guidance through mystic and, or spiritual forces. Now, this would include, but not limited to, fortune telling. Okay? What is a fortune teller? It is one that uses divinations that he's talking about there in verse 10b. Fortune telling is an attempt to tell the future of an individual, you know, because it can better help you control your destiny. That's the selling point. You know, if you know your future, if you know what's going to happen, you are able at that point to control your destiny. But the fact is, folks, first of all, no one can see in the future. No one can see in the future. And in fact, if you could, it may be something in your future you don't even want to see. Okay? And definitely, it cannot control your destiny. The only thing that can control your destiny, you know, is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here's another one. Horoscopes. Wow. You mean you're trying to tell me, Pastor, that horoscopes, reading your horoscope is something that I have no business being part of. If you're a child of God, you have no business depending upon horoscopes. Let's take a look at this, okay? How sad that there are many believers who will not start their day off without first checking that horoscope. Now, folks, that is sad. Because, again, this is part of an occultic activity. And we don't even realize why. Because Satan has camouflaged it. You know, you know if a person spent the time that they're checking their horoscope in the morning, spend that time in prayer rather than checking your horoscope, your day would go a whole lot better. Spend that time in prayer rather than reading that. I believe that one would see their day go a whole lot better. And those who believe in horoscopes think that their life would somehow be controlled here by these mystic forces of the stars. In other words, they believe that the position of the stars on that day they were born 
is going to determine their destiny in life. But again, folks, listen to me. Our destiny is determined by our response to the call and obedience of Jesus Christ within our life. That's what controls our destiny. Now, the next thing is witchcraft. Ooh. You know, witchcraft is the attempt to formalize certain uh, spiritual laws so as to use them to control the forces of good and evil and casting spells upon others. You know, many times we, we tend to overlook witchcraft as being satanic. First of all, in today's society, you, did you know that witchcraft is considered a religion in today's society? And, it, it, and it's not as in front of us as horoscopes and fortune-telling and tarot cards and such as that. But the practice of witchcraft is also known as Wicca. How many of you have heard of Wicca? Wicca is witchcraft. Okay? Now, here's the thing. You know, even the military, the, the military chaplain's handbook recognizes Wicca as a formal religion. If you're in the military and you're involved in Wicca, it's considered a formal religion. In fact, in 1985, the city of New York, you know, recognized, they formally recognized Wiccan clergy to perform marriage ceremonies. Now, that don't surprise me about New York. They allow a lot of things that, you know, is evil. But then, but then, in 1986, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that Wicca was a religion and should be protected by the First Amendment. Now, as you know, the First Amendment protects the right of a person in the United States of America to hold it any religious belief whatsoever, and that includes the practice of witchcraft because it's considered a formal religion. So if they're covered under the First Amendment, how sad. But listen, witchcraft is not something new. It was developed in Egypt, you know. Uh, in fact, you know, when the magicians, you know, stood at Pharaoh's court, they was practicing witchcraft. So it's not something new. Spiritism is another one. Now, this is the attempt to communicate with those in the spirit world, usually a dead loved one. And there are those even, quote, believers who go to a spiritist to find out about their loved one who has passed on. Folks, that is occultic, is satanic, and a child of God must stay away from it. Must stay away from it. Anyone half-educated in the Bible understands that communicating with the dead is nonsense. If you remember your Bible in Luke chapter 16, the story of Lazarus and the rich man. You know, the rich man was telling he was burning in hell. And he looked up there and he seen Lazarus in Abraham's bosom just kicked back, okay, enjoying himself while he was in hell burning in flames. And he asked Abraham, look, I didn't realize this was going to be this way, you know. I got five brothers at the house, you know. Why not send Lazarus back down there and warn them of this place? And you remember what Abraham said? He said, listen, dude. He didn't say, dude, that's East Texas paraphrase. Listen, dude, those that are where you're at can't come here. Those that are where Lazarus is can't go there. And not only that, he said, if it were possible for one to go back and warn your brothers, 
You know, they had better listen to Moses and the prophets if it was possible. So anyone educated in the Bible understands it's not possible to communicate with the dead. So why do many who call their believers do this nonsense? And yes, I'm calling it nonsense if you're one involved in it. You know, though it's impossible to communicate with the dead, you know, the problem lies in the fact that here's what can happen if you believe in that and you start practicing that. You know, it opens your mind to demonic forces that can then cause you to see and hear things that are not real. That's what it does. It opens your mind to these demonic forces to come in and cause you to hear and see things that are not real. And now you're saying, well, I really believe this. This is real. There is something to this. And what happens at that point? Satan's got a foothold in your life. You have given place to Satan, and now he has a foothold. Listen, occultic powers do exist, and those powers can and they will affect our thinking when we open up our mind and when we open up our will to them. We must be aware of that. Look, here's the thing. Because we're created with both body and spirit, the spirit part of us seeks the supernatural. Therefore, if we're not seeking to fill that void of the supernatural with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, I mean, that, that spirit part of us is, is wanting that spirit world. And if we're not filling that with Christ and the Holy Spirit, then that spirit part of us is going to search elsewhere. And let me tell you, Satan's right there waiting for you to give him that opportunity because he's going to move right in. And sometimes it's with the occult that we begin to accept. This is why we must be aware and keep ourselves away from horoscopes, keep ourselves away from palm reading, keep ourselves away from tarot cards and any other occult practice that could open the door for demonic forces. Turn to Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19. Showing you some scriptures here to make you think I didn't fall off the turnip truck. If I fell off the turnip truck, the, the word of God fell off with me. I guess it knocked me in the head too. But Leviticus 19, verse 31. We're instructed here by God to this. Do not defile. Oh, we got it up on the screen for you, don't we? Do not defile yourselves. Don't miss this. By turning to. What does turning to mean? It means you start giving this your attention. By turning to mediums or those who consult the spirits of the dead. I am the Lord your God. So God is saying, this is me speaking. Here's my command to you. Do not defile yourself by going to these occultic practices that I mentioned in my word. Now, what does defile mean? Defile means to become unclean or to become unpure. So what he's saying is this. Don't become unclean. Don't become impure by turning yourself to these occultic actions. In other words, now you're going to be unclean before God. 
Now you're going to be impure before God. So one who turns to mediums and, and those who claim to communicate with the dead, they have officially become unclean before God. Listen, Christian people stay away from occultic practices because it gives that devil that foothold in your life to begin to destroy you. Next thing you know, he's going to have his paws over your spiritual body with his head reared back, just roaring in victory because he took another child of God. Paul said to the church at Rome, don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? Don't miss this. You see, when you turn to the occult, now you're obeying the occult. You know, again, let's go back to the horoscopes because I know there's a lot of, quote, believers who won't start their day without that. I know some, okay? They won't start their day without that. What are they doing? They're obeying, they are obeying the horoscope, okay? I mean, if that horoscope tells them not to drink a cup of coffee that day, they're not going to drink a cup of coffee that day. That's a little bit ridiculous, but that's how serious they take it. So he says, don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey, okay? You can be a slave to sin, which is going to lead to death, or you can choose to obey God, which is going to lead to righteous living. What are you choosing to obey in your life? Are you obeying God or are you obeying the, the temptations that Satan sets before you? Look, we, cannot, we, 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 we can obtain nothing through the occult that we don't have in Jesus Christ, folks. Look, the devil is no myth. He's a real being. He's very powerful. He makes big promises, but he's a very poor paymaster. You know, he, he has access to us in various ways, and he, and he knows how to make the best of his opportunities that we give him. And though he is not omnipresent like God is, he carries on his evil work by his countless number of demons. Remember when he is kicked out of heaven, he took a third of the angels with him. Now, how many angels did God create? We have no idea, but it was a bunch. And a third of them followed Satan. And they're all throughout this world working his work. So what are some of the ways in closing that we give place to the devil? First of all, we give place to the devil when the mind is not filled with good and godly thoughts and desires. Therefore, we leave it empty, okay? We leave it empty for Satan to enter in. The second thing, by yielding to spiritual idleness. Listen, if spiritually we are idle in our life, throw up number two, John. If spiritually we are idle within our life, that gives Satan an opportunity to come in and take a foothold. You see, diligence and watchfulness characterizes two true Christians. And as soon as they become slothful, as soon as they become idle, as soon as they stop guarding themselves against the enemy, he's moving in. And the third thing is, Christians too often give opportunity to Satan to do them harm by focusing too much on worldly goods, on worldly opportunities, on worldly professions. Paul said in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, if you then be risen with Christ, in other words, if you're a true believer, 
if you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, then Paul says, seek the things which are above where Christ is. Where are all these occultic things? They're not from above, they're from below. And when you involve yourself in any of these things we went over here this morning, you're not involving yourself in the things which are above. You're involving yourself in the things which are below. So he says, involve yourself in the, you know, seek those things that are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind. Listen here. The mind is where Satan starts attacking us. He says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. Listen, all these occultic practices that we went over this morning, plus some more I didn't have time to go over, they're not of God. They're not from above. They're from below. They're not on uh, 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 things of heaven. They're all things on this earth. And we're being instructed by Paul, stay away from them. Because these things will give Satan place in your life. And once you give him place within your life, his goal is going to be to destroy you spiritually, to break up your relationship with God. In other words, as Christians, we should think of the promises of our Heavenly Father, the purpose of his eternal love, the perfect and glorious attributes of Jesus Christ and his wonderful works, which he's done and is still doing within my life, your life. These thoughts is going to strengthen our ability to resist the devil. And prayer, listen, prayer should be our first line of defense in an hour of trial and you're being attacked. Not the last resort. And a sad thing with many within our churches, many who identify as believers, many who identify as a Christian, prayer is not the first line of defense within their life. You know, they use prayer like, you know, a glass there with an axe and a fire hose, and it says, in case of emergency, break the glass. And that's the way many people look at prayer. When there's an emergency, I'll do it. I'll break the glass, pull out prayer, and everything will be fine. No, it's not. Prayer must be a part of your everyday life. Everyday life. And it doesn't hurt now and then to remind Satan of his future, <laughs> okay? Be a fortune teller there, you know? I'm going to remind him of his future, you know? You know, how can you be a fortune teller? Because you already know what the Word of God says. So you're not actually telling a fortune, fortune there. You're just relaying that to him. Don't ever be afraid to say, Satan, I know what you're up to. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to get a foothold in my life. Don't forget, you're going to be in hell one day. Stand up to the devil. Stand strong. But you know, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you don't have the power or the authority to stand up to Satan. You know, when he begins to tempt you and begins to, uh, you know, move in your life, you know, you, you've pretty much got to follow what he wants you to do because you don't belong to God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, we don't want you to leave out of this building this morning without coming and letting us introduce you to him and let, let him become your Lord. Let him become your Savior. Let him give you the power you need to resist the devil and keep him from getting a foothold within your life. But only you can make that decision.
only you. Child of God, if you're being attacked, if you just, it just seems like Satan's coming at you from all angles, that's good. Now you say, how's that good? Because evidently you're doing something right in your Christian walk or he'd leave you alone. But don't purposely give him opportunities to get a foothold in your life. Make him fight for that opportunity, okay? Make him fight to get that foothold in there. You stand strong, you trust God, and you follow him. Let's pray. I give you